right, guys, we're in lesson two today. Now, we're, we've started this new series called Rekindling Your Desire for the Lord. Okay? Rekindling Your Desire for the Lord. We're talking about spiritual renewal. And last week, we spent a whole lesson focused on what is the issue and about the culture that we're in and that everybody is dealing with this. And and literally, you know, like I had a conversation with my uh, daughter this week down in Dallas and she was calling me and we were talking about three different things totally unrelated to each other, but they were all related to each other because it was exactly this issue of a lack of desire for the Lord, a lack of focus, and really, it's it's everywhere, okay? It's everywhere. So we talked about that last week, and I think you have to recognize that as well. You know, I was talking to somebody in uh, Clearfield here a few months ago, and, you know, they were upset with, uh, with one of the other churches in town. And they were upset because they've noticed the decrease in the people in their church. People have quit going to their church. So they got to blame another church. Well, the problem is, I've talked to other pastors, There's the decrease is happening in all churches. And they're not all going to that church. Do you understand? If you added up all the people who are not coming, who, who've just decided to, what it, it, they're not filling that place. They would fill several other churches. Did you understand? So that's not the issue. In fact, you know what? Even here with our attendance, here's what we've recognized. The people are still coming. They're just not coming every week. Do you understand? Because something else came up. So it's an issue. Something else is going on. So we're going to talk about that today. All right. So here's what we're going to do a little bit different today. Normally, we have been doing our question time at the end of the lesson. So I want to start out with the question time. Okay. I want to start out with us discussing three questions, and then I'm going to talk to you, okay? So if you have your sheet, you're going to see the questions there. I'll give them to you here up on the board, okay? So as you consider the decline in attendance, number one, lower commitment levels, and a decreased desire for the Lord among God's people, what are the possible solutions to the overall problem? I don't know, George. No, no, think about it. You might be surprised. You might actually think you, you, you something that you think, well, if we did this, maybe that would work, okay? Because that's is being talked about. What you, right? So then, number two, is the overall issue a practical problem, something that we can solve practically, or a spiritual problem? So I want you to think about that. So is the overall problem a practical problem or a spiritual problem? That's number two. And then number three, does your answer to question two change your answer to question one? Okay. So, all right, break up into groups. I'd like everybody to be a part of a group, including you guys up in the uh, sound room, okay? So you can be your own group up there, all right? Or I'd like everybody to be a part of a group. Okay. 
just real quick, I just kind of want to just give me brief answers, not long explanations. I'm going to kind of go around the room and just give me one solution that your group came up with. You said, well, we came up with 15. I understand. Just give me one. Okay. All right. So uh, I've got with somebody raising their hand. You got a solution? Okay. Donuts. Okay. All right. All right. Keep that's all right. Yep. All right. Hold. You laugh, but wait till we get into the lesson. Okay. Donuts. Who's another solution? Who's another group? Bruce. Second service on another day. Okay. Anybody else? What was the solution you came up with? We didn't come up with a solution, George. We just focused on the negative. No, okay. What what solution did you come up with? Gene. Okay, shut down the shopping malls. Okay. Okay, all right. That, all right. that sounds like a good idea, but I don't think that'll solve the problem. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yep. Okay. That's good. You're 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 adding to what Gene is saying. I'll take one more. And Tim's got his hand on his head. Okay. All right. Okay. So all right. That brings me to my second thing. Is it a practical issue or a spiritual issue? Anybody? Could be both. Everybody said could be both. Okay. So does that change your answer? Okay, this is a good exercise. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a couple of things here today. So first of all, here's some current thinkings concerning the solution. So you need to understand what you, the exercise you just entered into, pastors have been entering into that exercise for the last few years. And there are numbers of publications, numbers of suggestions. It just goes on and on and on trying to figure out what to do, okay? So it's become noticeable that a shift has taken place in North American churches, okay? Now, a majority of the North American churches are white churches. Do you understand? This shift is not necessarily taking place in immigrant churches that are specifically immigrant, like, you know, somewhere else from around the world in cities and necessarily even true in African-American churches. But in white, predominantly white churches, which is the majority of churches in Protestant world here in the United States, this shift has taken place, and it's noticeable, okay? There is uncertainty concerning what the problem is. Now, the problem is, is that as you're entering into this discussion, nobody really can put their finger on what the real issue is. So then, therefore, you come up with these multitude of solutions, okay? With a multitude of solutions. So here are some possible solutions, folks. I'm going to go through these. Don't laugh at some of them. And some of them are like, yeah, that's what it is. All right, listen. 
Just these are possible solutions. Number one, relevant messages. The reason why we're having a look is because the preacher's messages are not relevant. Okay? They need to be relevant. They need to be on the edge of where people are at. So therefore you see some churches, they'll do sermon series on marriages or how to have a happy life or how to have a happy home or how to have a happy pet. You know what I'm saying? And, and so relevant messages. Music. That's it. Music. Well, you have two different arguments now. We need to go back to the way it used to be. Or we need to go back to the future. We need to have smoke machines. We need to have lights. Do you understand? Some churches are doing that. We need to have cool. We need to have formal. And there is just a whole big discussion about that. If we just did this, then this will change it. Programming. Yes, if we, I remember 20 years ago when we had this program, VBS. Yeah, but that was 20 years ago. Okay? Or we need to do this new program that's come out. Okay? Programming is offered as a solution. Community involvement. Okay? Everybody, everything you read now. Community involvement. Get involved in the community. Community involvement. Okay? All right? Missions. I have heard that one since I've been a believer. If your church isn't supporting missions, a church that supports missions is a growing church. There's no guarantees there either. Okay? Because there's a lot of mission-supporting churches that are still struggling too. Okay? Social justice. We need to be rescuing people from child sex or prostitution, or we need to be digging water wells, and, and all of these things. So social justice is where we should be. Here's the one. You laughed about the donuts. This is legitimate coffee bars. You need to have a coffee bar in your church offering the latest roast that is specific to your church that will draw people in because they love the way you roast your beans. Now, I'm just joking, but that is legitimate. People are talking about coffee bars, and you mentioned donuts. Well, it's because we don't have donuts, George. Okay? Really? Okay. See, these are all possible solutions. There's many more. Okay? Many more. And and why they become solutions is, is that people who are paid lots of money look around at churches where there seems to be growth, and we decide... Well, this is what they're doing, so we all need to do it. But nothing's changing, okay? Nothing's changing. So in spite of some short-term successes, and I would put it in some churches, they're not addressing the overall problem. Seriously, having a good roast of coffee isn't going to increase your desire for the Lord. Having donuts isn't going to increase your commitment level at the church. And, and I'll be honest with you, I know you said, well, I remember when we had blue laws. Do you remember what blue laws were, folks? Down south, we had blue laws. That meant nothing opened on Sunday. People were just as lost and not committed to the Lord back then as they are now. Closing The world closing stuff on opening stuff on Sundays doesn't affect believers Believers make their own decisions. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a personal responsibility. That's right. Okay. So 
in spite of short-term successes, they're not addressing the overall problem. The problem demands more than a practical response. I'm going to be very honest with you. So, look, even us as leaders, okay, for the last few years now, we, we have joint board meetings, and these things come up, and we're all like beating our heads against the wall trying to figure out what do we do? What do we do? It's not lost to us, but how do you get people more committed? Do you want the uh, three-piece suit mafia to show up at your house and say, why weren't you there on Sunday? We used to do that kind of stuff. That doesn't work, right? Yeah. You know, that, that, that doesn't work. Maybe you'll show up, but you'll show up resentfully. And is that what should happen? People coming to church because... They don't want somebody hounding them. Did you understand? Okay. So the problem demands more than a practical response. So what is the solution? Well, the Bible has a solution. It says over and over and over in the Bible, return to me. So here's the problem. The problem is a is spiritual. God has removed his blessing. God's removed his blessing. I, I came to that conclusion right before, back in June, right before the Vesper service. Because scripture came to mind, no one comes to me unless who draws them? The Father draws them. The reason why people aren't coming into our churches and even why our own people are not coming into our own churches is because God's presence and blessing isn't there. God's presence and blessing isn't evident in your own lives. That's why, to be honest with you, you are seeing things happening in your marriages, in your own personal lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that we're not where we should be. And that's why you see the things happening in church. People are not. It's because we're not where we should be. And so well, we just need to do practical things. Yeah, I understand. Practical things lead to ultimately to legalism. And is there victory in legalism? No. No, they're not. You know. So the biblical solution is revival. Now we've heard that term. Many times, right? We need revival. In fact, it's on the radio. We need revival. How many of you have even said that? We need revival. Okay? So what exactly is biblical revival? So here's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here today. I just want to lay the foundation for you to understand what revival is. Okay? First of all, by definition, revival is God's people coming back to life. All right, I want you, if you've got your notes there, I want you to underline that phrase, God's people. Revival has to do with God's people. All right, does everybody understand that? Revival has to do with God's people. Now, who is God's people? Believers, save people. 
does God's people include the lost? All right, let's say, can I say that again? Because everybody's like, huh? Does God's people include the lost? No. Okay, so everybody understand that. Who is the ones who can be revived? No, not the lost. The lost can't be revived. Revived means bring back to life. The saved, they're the only ones who can be revived. Okay, so that's very important. You've got to get that in your mind, okay? So it is marked by a renewed relationship with the Lord, okay? Revival is a time that is marked by God's people having a renewed relationship with the Lord, okay? A renewed relationship with the Lord. If you go... If you go to the letter, I think it's Second Kings, I think it's also listed in Chronicles, it may be listed in Isaiah, there was a revival that took place among God's people, that was Israel at the time, during the reign of Hezekiah, and their hearts were so moved to the worship of God, and so moved to getting back to their relationship with the Lord, they came to the temple, which is the center of their worship, and continually brought gifts to the Lord to the point where the leaders had to tell them, listen to this, this is weird, isn't it? Never heard this happen in a church in America. Quit bringing your gifts. There's too many of them. They had to tell the people to quit giving. Have you ever been in a church where that happened? I've never been in a church where that happened. Okay? But that's, what happened in revival? God's people were stirred to their relationship with the Lord. It was marked by a renewed relationship with the Lord. Now, here's the problem, though. Current discussion typically presents revival in terms of morality returning to America. Usually whenever you hear somebody, and folks, I... When I was a young man studying in, in for the ministry, I was a member of a church for six years with the foremost guy calling America to revival. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you, even then, I, I, there was something, because we were calling America back to the Lord, revival, bring revival to America. It was always in terms of America returning back to a morality. Now, you might be saying, yes! That's what needs to happen. It's in fact, some of you are like, oh, "What are you going to? Shouldn't, we shouldn't be praying for that." No, no, no. Listen to me. That's not revival, though. Well, what is it then? Okay, listen. Follow my thinking here. Follow my thinking before you get mad. Okay. And I'm glad we don't have bricks laying around here. Okay. All right. Listen to me. Current discussion typically presents revival in terms of. Morality returning to America. While this is a worthy thing to pray for, there is nothing wrong with praying for morality to return to America. Okay, everybody understand that. Nothing wrong. I pray for that. It's not biblical revival, though. That's not what biblical revival is. Revival is for who, folks? For God's people, for believers. Now, does everybody recognize that America is not made up of all believers? Everybody recognize that? I had a discussion with a lady 
she's still alive. She uh, has been in our church since the 1950s. Now, she's a shut-in now. And I remember when I first came, I, was, I, had, I used to go over to her house and I'd have discussions with her. And I would say to her, I'd say, you know, tell me something. I, I'm a child of the 60s. I was born in the mid-60s, okay? In the 50s, were there more Christians in Kerwinsville than there are now? And she said, no. There were just about as many lost people back then as there are now. And there were probably just about as many people going to our churches as there are now. So it's not like we've always had saved people. What changed? The morality of the lost changed. You need to understand that. The morality of lost people changed. The morality in the church stays consistent, right? But the world we live in, the morality changed. And we're upset with that. And so we want morality to come back to America. Good thing to pray for, but that's not revival. Okay? That's not revival. What are you talking about, George? That is called spiritual awakening where the lost come to faith. That where, where a society changes, where the morality of everyone changes is, is because there is a change in the society because people who were lost come to faith. That's called a spiritual awakening. We should be praying for spiritual awakening. But before we pray for spiritual awakening, we got to pray for something else first. Because somebody else has to get right first. Who's somebody else that has to get right, folks? Yeah, we do. The church has to be revived first. Okay? The church has to be revived. So, here are, and I want you to notice, these. this is from my friend Ron Pierce with Empower Ministries. He just sent this to me this week. Sometimes he sends me stuff and I'm like, why did you send this to me? And then I realized, oh, God, you had him send this to me because I need this right now. Here are 10 marks of revival. And I can tell you right now, when you look at these things, this will tell you right off the bat that we need this because this is not evident right now. Okay? Here's the 10 marks. First of all, the Word of God. Well, we have the Word of God. Well, listen, with revival... A deep hunger to study the Word of God and hear the Bible read aloud. That's evident among God's people. There's a deep hunger and a desire to study His Word and to hear His Word. Now let me ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud, but just kind of pause for a moment. Don't you find reading the Bible a struggle? Isn't it interesting how you just don't desire it the way you used to? Or maybe there's no desire for it at all. Okay? Number two, evangelism. Newly invigorated believers display an overwhelming desire to share their faith with family and friends. They become bold in personal witness and unashamed in the name of Jesus. Huh. Yeah. That's what happens when revival happens. Okay? Here, conviction of sin. Number three. Through the hearing and studying of God's word and in response to the inward voice of the Holy Spirit, energize believers, identify sin in their lives, and respond with heartfelt repentance and changed lifestyles. 
Prayer, number four. Talking to God becomes spontaneous, deep, long, and personal. Because of this intimacy, God's emotions bubble to the surface in believers' hearts and minds. Societal lift, number five. The ethics, the morals, and values in a group of refreshed believers change dramatically, coming in line with God's word and standards. This societal lift is caused by the gospel can range in a size from a small gathering of believers to an entire region or country. Six, fellowship. Revived believers look for every opportunity to fellowship with each other. Worldly interest, fate, and attraction. We don't need to worry about Little League. And spiritual pursuits usually replace them revolving around teamwork and the family of God. Here's number seven. Attractiveness. Restored believers become increasingly attractive to the majority of unbelievers. Due to renewed holiness in lifestyle personally, as well as tangible sense of God's presence in church gatherings, believers become spiritual magnets to many of the lost who become curious when confronted with a clean spiritual power in a life being displayed before them. Conversely, some unbelievers and backslidden and stagnant Christians oppose a holy and righteous lifestyle, considering revived believers to be an affront to them and an annoyance. Boy, I've seen this. This happens. When true revival happens, revival separates really folks who really want to know the Lord from those who don't. And it also attracts people who want to know the Lord. All right? Here's the other one. Polarization. The rebellious adherents, the prodigals and sincere seekers are irresistibly drawn to God, while the hard and callous sinners become more resistant to the Holy Spirit's voice and drawing. Middle ground of complacency is replaced by complete separation of belief. I know your deeds. I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's from Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Verse number 9, the great ingathering. The unsaved turn to Christ in large numbers comparatively. The churches are full. Prayer meetings are packed. Even the, ungod even the ungodly and news media take notice of the powerful event in their community. Other religions and those opposed to the unity of believers in revival become nervous, antagonistic, and often persecute believers in a variety of ways. And then here's number 10. Pastoral leadership. Most often the key to unlocking the great revival and holding the door open to the work of the Spirit lies in the hands of spiritual leadership, namely pastors. The unsaved and saved alike look for godly leaders. In its absence, people are scattered, confused, and despondent. When a spiritual leader is revived and energized, God moves powerfully. Wow. Is this what we should be looking for? If you think about what's happening, 
drifting in our relationships with the Lord, decreased desire for the Lord, commitment levels dropping, we're not reaching the lost. What should we be looking for? I mean, we just saw the marks of revival. Do you understand what I'm saying? What should we be looking for? The reality is, as we know this from Scripture, remember I told you nobody comes to the Lord except the Father, trial them. So, I mean, that is a principle not just for the lost, that's a principle for us. If we find ourselves in a place where we need to get back to the place of revival, then here's what we've got to do. We've got to come to a place, first of all, we recognize, I need this, okay? Our church needs this, all right? Second of all, I don't know how to get there, God. Even if I make the commitment, I don't know how to get there. How much praying do I do? I don't know how to get there. Only you know, Lord. So you start off making a commitment to pray, but here's what you pray. God, you got to bring us there. Because I don't know what to do. So I can get up here and say, okay, this is the five-step thing that we need to do. Okay? Now here's the problem, though. My five steps may not even cover what the issues are in your life that need to be dealt with to bring you to where you need to be in revival, right? Because I don't know what your stuff is. Who knows what your stuff is? Well, you do, but who else knows? Yeah, the Spirit of God within you. Do you understand? So he's got to be the one that reveals to you, you know what, I'm not happy with this area in your life. This is grieving me. See, this is what we got to recognize. Lord, we're grieving you. We're quenching the Spirit. See, we get back to God's removing His presence. is because we have, what? Quenched His presence. We've grieved Him. Did you know what I'm saying? So we've got to start seeking Him. 